Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruiting fans by Sooners360.com. Each week we, week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting news and provide opinions and evaluations on, o, on all things OU football recruiting. I'm Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst for Sooners360.com. I'm joined this week by Caleb Cummings, my co-host, Sooners360.com talent evaluator and opinion creator. This is going to be a news episode, pretty heavy news episode for us with some some, uh, player evaluations and what's going on with recruiting. So this is episode 65 titled Oklahoma Offerpalooza. Offerpalooza, Offerpalooza. So um, as always, we're going to begin with the latest in recruiting news and this should be the end of the portal news. I keep saying that, thinking it's going to be, but this story is kind of this story has dragged out two weeks more than I thought it would, um, and I think we're literally in the last days of it. So it's portal madness. I thought it was just one player we were tracking, but I guess technically, Caleb, it's two. That's what it looks so like. So it's so. We're gonna do a, this. Is our update on the on the Hatchet Brothers, which actually which actually sounds like a serial killer duo from the Pacific Northwest that we should be watching on like twenty twenty or which I do I do think that part of the country has produced a lot of serial killers. No, like just northern if you count Northern California with that the the Green River Killer, yeah. uh, Ted Bundy's from Seattle. So uh, so we have the Hatchet Brothers, which sounds more like mysterious guys with with hatchets that are that are that are taking care of people but they are the last two recruits two portal candidates we have uh Jaron Hatchet or Garan Girian Girian Hatchet we'll go with Girian Hatchet yeah, I think it's Girian 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 I was Girian and Landon Hatchet again I mean I'm literally like seeing these guys on like a sort of serial podcast hearing about them you know episode 1 the, the Hatchet brothers so um uh, I think there's a major marketing potential there for them if they do become Sooners. So let us know, uh, Gary and, and Landon, if you uh, if you need those rights because we do have that copyrighted. Um, so Gary just visited, and now Colin Kennedy and I believe uh, Brandon Drum, uh, Colin Kennedy of Two Four Seven Sooners Illustrated, and I believe Brandon Drum of OU Insider are both now reporting that Landon is coming in for a visit this weekend. So, Caleb, let's start with the more the more obvious quality here. And uh, Girian, um, I remember the name from recruiting. I remember him visiting on his own Same. dime several times. I thought OU had a good, had a decent chance. And then he was starting to make a decision. Uh, you know, once he said he once his decision date came out, I was like, nah, he's he's going to Washington. He's not coming. He's not waiting for an OU official. So that was usually a telltale sign. So he's six four, right around three hundred pounds. He was well thought of coming out of high school. Um, so, Callaway, I know you've had a chance to watch him watch his play at Washington a little bit. Can can Gary and help OU at, at? And I believe he's an offensive guard. I'm, I'm not really seeing tackle as in his. Oh no, he, he in his didn't. in his profile, right? I mean, yeah. that would be a miss. He'd be kind of that'd be a miss. I mean, he's not. Six four with a massive wingspan where he can play tackle. No, no, he's not. He's he's. I I think I see him completely as a. Uh, well, it's interesting when I look at his brother as well. I see him as a guard, or maybe if he could snap a potential to play center as well. 
you know, he, I have, I've watched, you know, I guess two games, the Oregon game was the other, uh, Arizona and then Arizona state, but Arizona state, it was only like 17, 25 snaps somewhere in there. Not as much. Uh, I would say there's a lot I really like about them, but then there's, you know, there are some areas of just some, some weak points, right? I think on the plus side, I mean, he's an athletic, like really well-built kid, doesn't carry really any bad weight for an offensive lineman, right? I mean, he's not Lane Johnson in that sense, but like for an interior offensive lineman, you know, he really could put on another another 10 pounds at least, you know, and run around at 315, I think, which I think would also help him. Uh, but, you know, I mean, he moves his feet really well. Uh, he's, you can see he's an intelligent kid. And I say that meaning like he's really good at IDing, uh, you know, whether it's twists and different stunts up front, you know, and some of the, when they're combo stuff, when he's working to a backer, I mean, he's great at coming off the ball. I'll tell you, he gets more movement from that perspective. Like when he's chipping up to a backer, I mean, he comes off with more velocity and gets more movement than, you know, a guy like McCain Matower did. You know, I think he's just maybe uh, more explosive through the hips, you know? So when he, when he hits, he's able to sink more and get a little bit more pop. Uh, you see that he's fantastic. He's really, he's really good uh, at getting up to the second level. You know, uh, one of the things that jumped out watching that tape is like DeBoer, whoever their offensive coordinator is, which I guess is not technically DeBoer, it's the other guy. And they do a fantastic job of really utilizing the strengths. And they really utilize some of his athleticism in the screen game. Uh, you know, his ability to get out, again, you know, second level perimeter and make blocks. You know, where he struggles to me, and I think it's pretty obvious on tape, and the Oregon's got a, I don't know what the kid's name is, but a bigger like a really big, long, heavy D tackle, right? So think of like a, a sweat from Texas, like that type of a kid, you know, he's Gearian's not the longest guy in the world, right? He's not, you know, he's not the broadest in terms of, you know, he's like Jacob Sexton is, <laughs> it was wide as, uh, you know, is the damn near as tall, right? And he's six, seven. Gearian's not that he's not super, super broad at the shoulder and he's not extremely like plus in terms of length, arm length. So some of those bigger guys, you know, can just can get to him and put him on skates a little bit. He can get bullied by really big interior bullies. You know, I think for me, like looking at him also opens up some questions of like, okay, if you play him at guard, are you going to run more outside zone? Are you going to get more to a zone scheme? Because I do think like the him from a fit perspective, like that's what he would be just absolutely ideal at. Right. Like if he goes in the NFL and gets in that type of scheme, I think he can have himself a career even potentially. Right. Uh, you know, but I think you look at where Oklahoma's roster is and if they're able to land him, I mean, he started whatever it was, a half dozen games, was banged up some at Washington, but on the Joe Moore award winning offensive line. Right. It was a good player for him. I can't imagine him not showing up to Norman and immediately competing for the guard spot opposite of Nuewu, who I think most people have, and I myself, right, penciled in at one of those guard spots. I think the question for me is, like, again, what is Oklahoma going to do from a, zone, from a scheme perspective with Seth Luttrell, right? Like, what are they doing? How's that changed? What's Bill going to do in the run game? And then, like we talked about last week with Kyle, right, if Brown or Tarquin, let's say Brown, is your right tackle, what happens to – Jake Taylor, 
right? Do they say, look, Jake, I mean, and he was, this, I, Jake's like the most, I don't, you know, I was really wrong. He's, on, he's, the, he's the paradox. He's the paradox on the O-line, right? He we're is. Not, oh, the, oh, the puzzle. We're, we're, we, have, we have competing data points. You just don't know what to make of them, and they don't, and they don't add up, right? None of it does, right? Like to me, it's like you know, they redshirted him. Uh He played, he played. Then they redshirted him. They needed O line, and he didn't play. Then he got in, and he looked bad. It's, it's, but he looked good last year. That's what I mean. It's, it's, it's like high, high, big time recruit, like setting weight room records. Shows up. Plays guard as a freshman. It's fantastic. You know, to your point, it, like, hey, we're going to play him at tackle. And it's like, we want to redshirt this kid. So on one hand, it does look like they did everything they possibly could to redshirt him, which, you know, would, you know, as you take that as a data point, I think maybe you come away saying, well, maybe that says they really like him. Right. Now, on the flip side of that, the first thing did they did when the portal opened up was they went screaming out for offensive tackles like crazy and went and got Spencer Brown, you know, and then they got Tarquin as well late, but they were obviously chasing after Hurd like crazy. So, I mean, what does that say about their feelings with him there? Uh, you know, I, I, I would say the limited stuff we've seen from him as a true freshman, when he played guard, he could be an absolute mauler. You know, and some of those things we talked about right there, like with like with McCade Matawer, with uh, Everett when he was playing guard, or with what you see with Hatchet, where it's like, oh well, they don't have as much sand in their pants, they're not as long. You know, there's going to be some struggles here. None of that's true about Jake Taylor. You know, you think, okay, all that stuff you would expect, like Jake goes in and is this mauling guard that you know is. You know, I guess that's another point. Like I've always been a little bit concerned where it's like, okay, if if he who, you know, Matt doesn't like to talk of, which, you know, Caden Green, right, uh, was a potential tackle, but they threw him at guard and just burned his red shirt and went with him there. I always wondered what, why wouldn't they have done that with Taylor, right? Saying, okay, we're going to throw you to left guard. We're going to run with you there. Uh, as if they don't trust him. There's so much that I don't know with Taylor, but as a recruit, there was so much I loved about him, you know, down to it's, him it's setting the, all the, all the weight room records at, at, at Gorman that you just come away being like, this guy has to be a player for him, you know? And so, I mean, we'll see if you go get hatchet uh, and you have Spencer Brown and those transfers coming in, it makes for a really difficult road. I think for Jake Taylor to get on the field uh, as a starter, if you've got, you know, you know, those guys coming in. So, that's that's Garen, the older brother. Then we got Landon, the younger brother, who um, is a was a fret, is redshirted this year, right? He actually played. No, he played in nine games. That's what's wild about it. Like when I pulled up okay. his stuff on PFF, you know. Uh, but he's hurt. He got hurt, right? He did. He did. Did he, did he tear his ACL? Is that right? I don't know. You can't find anything. It looks like in the lead up to their bowl game with Texas, he sustained a knee injury and he showed up okay. to the Sugar Bowl on crutches. And I know there's some stuff out there where he was saying he's one month post op. So there was an operation. Now, whether it was an ACL or like a meniscus or, you know, don't know what it was. So he's 20. He's 20. He's 23 class. He's a 23 class. Same as Bates. Okay. So the problem I have here is. Sometimes it's O-line and the O-line bill issue. Sometimes I feel like myself and others, we're sometimes talking out of our mouths in sort of two directions, right? Like, Bill, add numbers. And they're like, but don't add that guy. But, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's like you know, 
It's like, it's like so I keep, I, you know, and I think OU fans in general, especially the portal, like portal guy shows up. Bill needs more numbers. Well, there's a guy in the portal. I don't like that guy. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, so I'm a little confused because we're going to talk a little, we're going to talk 25 and the big weekend coming up. And we'll talk more about that weekend next week after it occurs. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of kids in 25 that are really good looking kids that, Oh, you could take, they're even making more offers, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a good class to add some tackles. I would be like, well, okay. If so, if OU's only at, I know use a ride around 14 scholarship offensive lineman. Once Eddie Pierre enrolls this summer, that number I think is pretty good. I mean, I'm sorry. It's pretty accurate. We could debate the goodness of it. The goodness of it is a whole other topic. Just it's, it's an accurate number, fairly accurate. Fairly, pretty sure that's an accurate number. Yeah, I think you're right. So if you at which, and that's really probably two to three below of where you would like to be program wise. I think bare minimum you want is probably fifteen. So you have a three fifteen right. scholarship guys. Yeah, right. They got a couple of preferred walk ons who we we don't know much about other than they looked. They were pretty good. They were pretty good. They were good development prospects in high school, but we know nothing about. What's gone on the last six months, right? We don't know. We have no idea where they are. Um, so, oh, you could add. It technically has the space, I think, to add uh, Garen and Landon. But if if Landon, we think, is a center, he's what six two three ten. That's what I've seen him listed as. Yeah, I mean, anywhere like six. He is that. He is a let's call him six two to uh, three oh five. But it's a it's a well 305. built three oh five, right? It's not sloppy, real thick legs. Yeah, you know, yeah. So he's probably we've, we've been seeing center flash for for flash as his position. Yeah, he's a center. He played center for uh, you know quite a few snaps, right? For as a true freshman for Washington. So OU's got Everett at center. They got Bates at center for reasons I don't quite unsure. I understand maybe other than the fact he's a great looking O lineman and and Gabe wants him to play center. Gabe. Gabe Eichert thinks dead Eugene Brooks should play center. I think Eugene needs to play guard, but what do I know? I'm not going to argue with an old Big 12 center on that issue, but regardless. And then Owen Hollenbeck, who just won a camp, uh, a recent camp, uh, Caleb, and he was interviewed, and Owen looks basically like a block of granite that can conduct interviews. I I, I think I saw somewhere online that he checked in it. Six four plus is that right? In around three four. Six four, yeah, three thirty, and he doesn't look bad. It looks. I'm like when I heard the number, I was like, you know, and I think he is like a, I think he is what like a powerlifting guy. You know who he looks like? The former five star kid out of Katy that signed with Texas A and M, and I can't think of his name. The play has been Bryce center. Foster. Bryce Foster. Physically, that's who he looks like. It was interesting. So you've got Hollenbeck, who, I mean, if he can, if he, if he's, he can certainly play guard if he can play. If he can play guard at 6'4", 340, sure. I mean, we'll take him at that. I mean, and okay, I'll send an interview with him. With the way he, how trim he looks, I don't think that 340 number can be right. Because if it is, oh my God, that kid is going to destroy people. I think he'll be. I mean, you look at him and, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he looks. This is where uh, I thought was a great thread on the board. We talked about, like, really dissecting Michigan. Right, 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 right. And, you know, and talked about how did they sign on average the 12th ranked class per year over the last five or six years, but they've put in as many players in the NFL as even Georgia. And, and by all accounts, they will tie 
potentially pass depending on you know anything if some you know something happening but the the record that Georgia set with 15 kids taken in the NFL draft this year they're projected to have 15 kids drafted uh it could be could be more and they've done that I think by again like where I was going with that is I want to see like what they do from a scheme perspective up front because like Holland Beck is like what are you doing Right, like a lot of these guys that Michigan's put on their offensive line, on their defensive line, you know, all these defensive line they pumped out were these big, were three stars, these big defensive tackles. But they had a a very specific scheme, right? They went to the, I mean, you know, Jim's one of the greatest coaches of all time, right? I mean, he just really is when you look at what he did at San Diego, Stanford, the 49ers, Michigan, and now he's going to go coach the Chargers, right? Like, uh, but he did a, he pulled the Ravens defensive coordinator, well, a defensive coach who, who is now the defensive coordinator. And he really, he built that, that team, you know, very, very specifically, uniquely and with a purpose. And I'm interested to see like with Holland Beck and some of these guys, like what's Oklahoma doing? Because you know, talk about like fit. It's to me, it's like weird where I look at Holland Beck and I look at hatchet and I'm like, those are both guards in the same scheme. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm, so again, so I think I'm Garen. I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. Gives you a veteran guard. Um, I, I'd still love for them to just you know put Ozetta if he's not playing tackle. Maybe Wells playing. I'm not sure what's going on. I need a, I need I need some spring intel to figure out what's going on with with Howland and Ozetta where and and even Taylor. Like what what's there? Where's that growth? What where are they playing? Where's that growth curve? Right. What's going on with these guys? Yeah. Um. A little bit. Because um, we know where we know where um, Autry Autry's a tackle. We know Brooks is a guard. We know Ayasosa, who looked again as you said, I think on on our previous pod, looks like a truck. I mean, he looks huge. Um, that that looks like okay. What did OU pick up on the? Everyone blasting his pickup. You, you don't don't. But beware of your receipts on this, right? Like, don't don't be saving those messages because I think you could not you maybe. They may be crow sandwiches. They're not going to turn into something you're really going to be able to. You're going to be able to live on. Um, and then Daniel Ekinkimi, I, I think. I think you and I both kind of suspect that Bill may start him at guard just to get him more acclimated, and then after a year, be like, "All right, then I'll figure out where you're going to be." Uh, and that's the other confusing. Bill Bill does that, so sometimes guys start at guard because Bill wants him to get acclimated, and then he's like, "Okay." I'm going to move you somewhere else, right? It's like I can get you, I can get more out of you at guard quicker than tackle for some of the kids. Obviously, there are exceptions to every rule, right? Yeah. But, but he tends to do that a little bit. Although, you know, Drew Samia was an exception, right? He's he, he Bill just had to start him at tackle, then moved him into guard. Um, you know, he played Cody Ford at guard, and then got a year out of him, a great year out of him at tackle. So there, there are some trends there, but. I'm a little confused about both guys, but on the opposite side, I kind of can't complain that Bill, you don't have enough numbers, and then he adds two guys, and he adds two guys to it who puts it above. And but to like to like you, but I don't want these two if it means I can't have four offensive tackles from the 25 class. You tell me you're gonna make all that work. I'm like thumbs up, no problem. I love the competition. I love the numbers. I love the injury backup. You know, I, I, I'm down with it. But you got to tell me that you're still going to be able to go after some of the guys we're going to talk about in the next one of our in our final segment because 
It is an O-line bonanza class. I mean, there was a guy, uh, OUN to go visit Jalen Beckley, uh, uh, offensive tackle from the, from Texas. And, um, and he wasn't getting much publicity. So I just retweeted him. I'm like, Hey, this guy is like, no one's talking about him. He's six, five, three Oh five. He's super physical on tape. He moves people around and like, no one's talking about him. He's like completely under the radar. It's like, because the Texas class is just is just that good this year, and then you know the and all around the country, there's a lot of offensive linemen. It's kind of it's a weird See, and it's a weird the, little trend. That's my I mean, call it a concern or whatever you want to call it with uh, with that. Right? Is you took Bates as your as your twenty three center, and you're going to double up with Hatchet, and those are really two like kind of pure centers. Bates can probably play guard, and and I'm sure the younger Hatchet can probably play guard. But again, like, are you, you know, uh, I would say like, it's important to not, not confuse numbers and bodies with talent and ability and be like, Oh, well, we've got 16, 17 guys. Like, okay, well, yeah, but you've got five tackles and you got a bunch of, you, you know, you've got 12 kids that are six, three and under with arms that are, you know, 32 inch, like you don't have, right. Like you don't want to get into a bad spot where, you know, no shots at anybody, but where Oklahoma's having to play, you know, RJ Proctor, you know, a backup guard from Virginia as your starting left tackle in a playoff bowl game in the Sugar Bowl, right? I mean, I know that definitely made uh, a ton of money for uh, Shasan, uh, that's his last name, right? But uh, yeah, I, my other concern where I'm going with that is. We've seen quite a few, you know, guys enter the portal uh, from a tackle perspective. Obviously, Oklahoma missed out on her. They, they miss out some others. But, you know, you load up a bunch of interior guys, right? The hatches when, like, you're already good on the interior. You've got a really talented interior class coming in. Okay. Well, what happens if a portal comes spring? You know, somebody, one or two or three, you know, tackles on these teams that decided to stay put for a little bit longer hit the portal. And then you're sitting there going like, oh, gosh, we probably don't really have room for this guy. You know, we've got 16, 17 offensive linemen. Now, granted, 14 of them are guards and centers. But, you know, I, I, I yeah, I, I'm, I struggle with it. The balance is a little weird. I, I want to I, I kind of feel like, oh, you should just go through spring and then see where they are. Give some of the kids, give the kids some breathing room, the young players, some breathing room to to get reps. I would say this, even I feel that same way, even with the older hatchet in the sense that, you know, you've got Jake Sexton, right? I'm sorry, Jake Taylor. Like you've got Taylor and you've got Tarquin coming in. Who's got a ton of reps and he's, he's played left tackle. I think he's played some guard. He's played right tackle. You know, I mean, I think you feel fine with a fifth year senior. Or he's going to be a sixth year senior, right? Whichever being like, Hey, you know, we're going to cross train you some at guard and maybe he wins your guard spot. Right. Like I just, again, you know, cause you're not even, you're not just looking at just like the 24 team and the 24 class, but to your point, it's one of the best tackle classes this, this region seen in a long time coming at the most perfect time because you are desperately in need of both numbers and talent at tackle. Don't put yourself in a position where you're hoping somebody transfers, right? Or you're having to process someone. Uh, I just don't know what adding a third string center <laughs> does, you know. 
Yeah, it's 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 a little it's a little weird. I don't I don't quite get it. Um, I prefer they'd stand pat, go through spring, see where they are with all their guys, see who else shows up in the portal, and you and you're matching need to um, deficiency, right? You're matching. Okay, this guy's this guy fits what we want, and we're gonna hold here. Um, and again, I, and I I just want to be add. I you know Caleb, I just want to be able to add four pure tackles from the class coming up, whether that's two two that play, two that redshirt. And then twenty six, you just you sign whatever you can. I just, I, I don't know. So hopefully they've got a strategy for this, but it's a little hard to see it on paper right now, not knowing all the moving pieces, not knowing exactly where all the moving pieces are going to fall. Uh, uh, you know, and, and Bill's head or and Brent's head, obviously, and um, with Seth, right? With a, once a, once you will, you know, come spring, we'll have a better opinion on this. And literally, I mean, they've got like a. They got like a day to make this happen. I mean, that's the other part, right? I mean, this this might all be academic because they yeah. may not decide because of because of academics because of academics. Yeah, because um, he's Landon's visiting. I mean, this I, it's almost to me like and Jaron said that they were transferring, but it's weird he didn't say he didn't say oh, we're choosing o, we're choosing OU. I'm like okay, because if I don't think he's got much more than a day, they've got like Monday to get to Norman. You know, it's like the Blues Brothers. They got to drive all night and break into the Cook County Assessor's office and file their paperwork to make sure things. You know, the, the the Hatchet Brothers have got to get to Norman by Monday at noon to get their transcripts in. And you know, and Washington would be like, "Oh man, we've got no one to file transcripts today. The guy, the guy's sick. The woman or the man who is sick that does that. I mean, it's just like a day, and all of a sudden they're." And they're out. So I think I think maybe we're we're, we're maybe they maybe these guys are actually going to wait until after spring, and OU can say, well, okay, well we'll see where we are. So that's a good point. That's a good point. Maybe just doing their due diligence now, and then spring you, you can decide is there was there someone else we want to take. Yeah, exactly. And and again, I and I I, I want to just see Eugene Brooks, Daniel Ekin Kimmy, and I really want to see Howland and Ozetta and Bates. Like, what, what, you, what do we have, right? Yep. What do we have? These are young guys. These are our seven young guys. You know, Autry and Iasosa, I think, are heading to red shirts. That's, that's, and that's fine. That's not a problem, right? Developmentally, that's, 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 that's right where, where we should be. What do we have in the portal, guys? Like, wow, Spencer Brown looks much better than we thought he was going to be. Okay, all right. You know, Nwewu has one of the guard spots, you know button down right um so i think that's what i would like to see so moving away from the o-line to the other side of the ball now caleb and various articles on our website and in conversations with our admins i've been a little don't say concerned but it's nagging i have a little nagging fear that the d-line class of 2025 there just aren't going to be like enough Really legit guys that oh, uh, maybe taking, yeah, maybe taking some tweeners, maybe not quite getting the same kind of athletes that they got last class, okay. or maybe maybe just not seeing the same numbers or, or even the same sort of like wow that guy like you know not the same guys where I turn on huddle and I'm like wow ooh, wow yeah I can see that yeah so because um, in Texas is you know there isn't a big player in Oklahoma. Um, in Kansas, it was supposed to be this big player, Julian Marks. 
And he's an offense. He's an offensive tackle. It's, all it's like day, every day. Oh, I hope for his. I hope for his sake, he's decided like you know what? Yeah, yeah. yeah let's give this yeah. one up and let's play tackle. Someone, someone's got someone's got him playing offensive tackle where he could be great because he's not a he's not a he's not a defensive end. I'm like saw people like oh he's the next big defensive end from Kansas and Missouri. I'm like oh great. And I watch this film. I'm like yeah, um, yeah, he's an offensive tackle. He's an offensive tackle. And if I, if I can see that, yeah, that quickly, then. So, you know, I was a little worried about that. So all of a sudden we've had a burst of offers. Uh, uh, we're talking about offers, offer Palooza, the, most of the rest of this uh, podcast, because OU's just offering people left and right. So I thought it was the weakest position in the class. Like defensive linemen, the two elite guys are Elijah Griffin from Savannah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, OU has a great odds of getting him, right? From Savannah, Georgia. OU's going to get a guy from Savannah, Georgia, away from Georgia, Georgia, Clemson, or you know, well, or anywhere. What's interesting about that is, like, I do think we're you're looking at it and being like, you want to say Alabama, but then you've watched all that talent transfer out, and you're like, well, it does Maybe appear not. as though, you know, wait, that's that's a conversation probably for later. But I, I think in some ways you can look at Nick Saban, and obviously he changed college football and. Yeah, every way, every way, right? But having followed recruiting as long as I have, you know, since I was, you know, being recruited and things, it's shifted where when Saban got to Alabama, he began to pump out NFL players at such a rate that kids and the the money was such that kids just started lining up. And it was like, as soon as you got the Alabama offer, it was, you know, smart kids would say, Oh, okay, well they have a process. I go there and I just do all the things I'm told to do and I get a big NFL paycheck. So they just lined up and went as, you know, a conveyor belt, you know, a production facility of NFL players that is completely gone. Like DeBoer's a really good football coach. What he has not, like there's a difference between being like a a really good football coach and like Nick Saban is one of the, he's, I will say this, Nick Saban is the best recruiter in the history of college football. And if you, I I get, you can people like, ah, it's not right. Go back and look up the classes that he signed. Yes. As a head football coach, head ball coach, look at what he signed at Michigan state. There's a max preps. When I was a kid, I remember looking at this in 97, 98 top quarterback in the country was a guy named Jeff smoker went to Michigan state top running back in the country guy named TJ Duckett, Michigan state top offensive tackle in the country. Flozo Adams, Michigan State. Top receiver, Plasco Burris, Michigan State. Top defensive end, Julian Peterson, Michigan State. He was beating Michigan and Ohio State and in in Penn State at the height of those programs, was beating them for the best players in the country. Went to LSU, completely shut down the boot and was getting kids from everywhere, right? Goes to Alabama and turns it into a conveyor belt. So I've said this to all everybody, right, on our board and our chat. I was like, I think DeBoer is an amazing coach, right? He's not the greatest coach of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I like to leave that this is my analogy. He he doesn't have Nick Saban's black American Express card for recruiting. Right? He's like, he can't just flash that card and all of a sudden everyone's like, well, everyone's like, dude, you're not Nick Saban. You know, he can't use this card. Yeah, it's exactly right. And it's been heard for the last couple of years, right? Is that like Georgia in in Georgia and in Alabama to some extent had this, you know, they just had extra points on that card, so to speak, right? Where they'd walk in and, you know, 
Kentucky could show up and tell a kid, hey, here's $50,000 in NIL. And Alabama could walk in and say, I'm not going to give you $50,000. We'll give you 10 and we'll give you a car. But what I can tell you is you'll be a first-round draft pick. And every single day you go out to practice, there's going to be 13 scouts from various NFL clubs watching everything you do. And I've you yeah, know, it's, got it's, a phone direct to Bill Bell. Exactly. And they're going, okay. I got, I got, I got credit in account, right? I got credit on account. So – so it's not, but regardless, he's from Savannah. So the yeah, odds of OU Georgia. pulling him out are, are tough. The second guy is already verbal to Georgia. His name's Justice Terry. Aren't they? And all? They, they're like they say like those are the two top five guys in the nation. And then it drops to like sixty three before a defensive tackle shows up again. Ouch! So it looks like a weak year nationally. So I was a little, you know, because you know, you and I both agree. And I think, you know, everyone says you need to stack D-line classes, right? Yes. D-line class, D-line class. You can't go a year without bringing in someone who's going to be a contributor on your D-line. You just can't do it. So I was a little worried about that. Kamori Moore is off to a good start, had a good junior year. He combined well at a camp, but he's, he's 6'1", 290. So there's not, a lot of, there's not a lot of length, size projection there. Can he be a really good player for OU? Absolutely. You know, does, could he become like a Byron Murphy type, J- Grady Jarrett inside guy? Again, absolutely. Good coaching, good development, yes. But I want guys with a little more juice and a little more size and a little more length, right? So OU made some offers that are just fascinating now for adding that to, especially at defensive end too. OU's got good rush guys uh, uh, that they're targeting, but they big defensive ends, it was like, I'm not quite sure who we're looking at. So that's kind of changed. So the first guy is uh, Rayshon Perry. He's a defensive tackle from Georgia. He's 6'3", 275. And Caleb, on my Twitter and on our website, I posted, I only watched 32 seconds of this guy, and he has some wow burst twitch and power to him. He is somehow unranked, and I'm – I'm 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 trying to understand how that's possible being a Georgia being a Georgia defensive tackle and knocking people around like this. It's probably only thing I can think of is it's similar to like McKinley, you know. And I I don't know that he has like the he's not McKinley in terms of like you look at McKinley on the hoof and you're like, "Oh my no, god." No, he's not. No, no. But, no. but he's but not. The, this he's kid 6'3" 290 and I will tell you like when he puts his hand on the dirt, he's he's probably got a 6'5" wingspan. Right, six five, six six. He's longer armed than he's not sawed off. Right, yeah. I mean, he looks. I watched him. I immediately thinking is like that is your uh, three technique. Know. Yes, like when Florida was really humming with uh, with Urban. Yeah, they'd roll out these just explosive, you know, two hundred ninety to three hundred pound, you know, guys on the interior. And I guess really the same thing when he got to Ohio State and they were humming. They just roll out these interior yeah who's know. the who was the guy that when OU played him in 17 the oh he he's, plays for he's the, in the NFL. Broncos now I think and I think yeah, yeah I, I can remember Bill coming you know Bill saying after the game that when they were scouting it he was the most disruptive defensive tackle he'd ever scouted and they had that team had like pure good date good defensive ends on them right oh gosh it the was 16. it was that team I mean because the next year when Oklahoma played them they had one of the Bosa, Bosa, Bosa was the on the ones, edge, right? I, I can't remember their names. I mean, I, I know their names. Joe, it's Joey. It's Joey. It's Joey, right? One? Yeah, he's the, the younger kid one. With the, the kid at the 49ers, he is the kid. 
the grown man of the 49ers, he's the one that was on the Ohio State team when Oklahoma played in both years. Yeah. Yeah. So he to me, this Perry kid, like, okay, man, there's some there's some juice to him. His burst, his twitchiness inside. It's like, okay, I could that's a three technique right off the bat. Like that's a real three technique, right? You know, and and the thing that's gonna be so interesting to me as Oklahoma transitions to the SEC is and look, every year is vitally important for recruiting, right? But yeah. obviously 25, 24 and how they do on the field is going to be super important. But to me, he's an interesting kid. And Oklahoma's got a really potential and opportunity there, you know, because to your point, right, Georgia, you know, maybe full. Florida is in a really bad spot. You know, have to fend off Florida State, I'm sure, and Miami in these schools. Uh, you know, but Clemson, Clemson's down a little bit, right? They just not, you know, in any way, shape or form. And then, you know, you're part of the SEC now, so you have the opportunity to play Ole Miss, to play LSU, to beat these teams, to compete with them. You know, Oklahoma is going to be talked about on the you know the nightly the nightly news in Atlanta and all and so all these places every week when they're going through SEC right. football. Right, Oklahoma is going to be talked about. So you know that's that's some capital I think would be able to help them. Uh, you, you hope. So that was that was Perry, who's more inside than on the edge. We had an offer to Smith uh, Rogbo from Texas. Uh, he's at a Leaf Hastings. He's had everybody offer him after that. I saw. Yeah, it's just blown up. It's been just been stupid. Texas, I mean, Perry, and LSU, everybody. I mean, you look at him, you're like, okay, and he's six five. He's like he's listed at two twenty five, and he's long. He's he's I don't know for six, days, eight for plus days. long for days. And he's twitchy as all get out. It's like you show me an edge player that is long as like that and twitchy like that, and a dog will hunt. I mean, you know, just put him out there and teach him some stuff and say, go get it. Weight room, training table, six foot five, 255, edge rusher, just, yeah. driving teams crazy. So he's now in play, and OU's really interested in him. And he's, he's from a Leaf Hastings, not a place OU usually does well. But they, they have gotten kids from that area in the past. Last kid I can really remember from that area was Alonzo Dotson. Who I think has um, done really well. I think he's an attorney now, maybe. Yeah. And then, but then we got two more offers that are interesting. The next one was uh, now, we're going to talk a little bit about this. North Carolina's flashing more in our offers lately. Not sure if you've picked up on that. Yeah. Um, so it's Trajan Odom, who's from Cary, North Carolina, which is near. Uh, I believe near Raleigh, if I remember right. If I remember my North Carolina geography from having gone to college there. Uh, he's 6'5", 270. Both Brent and Miguel and Todd Bates have seen him this week. So that, that kind of gives you a hint of of their level of interest. And and Caleb on Han film, he's raw, okay? He's, he's playing a little too high. But he's 6'5", 270, and he moves faster than a guy that big should be able to move. He's got a massive frame. He's probably 300 pounds easy by the time he enrolls in college. Yeah. So there's a lot to work with here. I'm not saying he's as good as the guys that we're looking at last year, but to me, Caleb, you know, I'm like, this is a class where if you could add a couple of guys like a Rogbo or Odom who've got, who their runway's really long, you you take that right because you've got oh 100%. Bates. because this is a class thing. So if you can fit these guys in, 
they, to, to back up what we just brought in with guys who were, I mean, everyone's talking about Okoye, Smith, Jackson, and Stone. Like, they're going to hit the field. Like, the only guy not getting any raises is Gilmore because his, his foot's in a boot. Yeah. Um, so, or at least it was when he was. Um, I'm sure when they do bench press and stuff, everybody's impressed by him because he's a th- big, thick, strong thick guy. I can't believe it. In that one photo, someone said he's 240. I'm like, he can't be 240. Look how big he looks. Right. And like, he's, he can't be 240. If he's 240, then yeah, maybe it's the angle or a guy he got stretched. I don't know. But he doesn't look anywhere near 240. But regardless, with that class, I think. I think you could – I don't want to say gambles or projects, Caleb, but you can take guys that like a Rogbo and Odom that have the – Oh, man. They got the, the, the measurables, right? The I think a Rogbo – I mean, I wouldn't compare him to like – I wouldn't say he's PJ, you know, but it's it's like it's, that. Flat, it's look, it looks a little looks a little PJ, early PJ. Yeah, I mean, to me it is like – it's like, okay, PJ Jr., right? Like, Well, so, this kid Odom is a little bit McKinley-like with how big he is. He's just – He's huge. I always think back to and really interesting. I think it was on a podcast. Uh, the the Pittsburgh Steelers head coach helped me out real quick. Tomlin, Tomlin, yeah, Tomlin was on a podcast and he was talking about must uh, be one of the best lines ever when he was talking about scouts, right, and and things when they come in when they're doing their pre draft stuff. And he says like when he hears and coaches, and he says when he hears coaches come in and start talking about well he's raw, he's this and that, it just pisses him off. He thinks immediately, you lazy? He's like, all I want to hear when we're talking about this is pedigree and traits. He's like, we pay you to teach the game of football. We pay – like we are – he's like talking about don't run away from coaching. Don't run away from doing your job. They have and they have like three guys dedicated to each position group, right? Yeah. But it's like yes. it's not like the it's not like college where Bill's coaching five guys, five coaching fifteen offensive linemen. Yes. At the NFL, they have like four guys doing that. Yeah, assistant offensive line coaches and yeah, and, and assistants to assistants and things like yeah. I mean, you know, like so they they do I wish I wish the yeah, college would would change some of the rules and I'm sure they will when it breaks off, right? Where they say, Okay, with, yeah. we're gonna have a certain amount of analysts that you can have and those analysts can have a certain amount like each week on the field of coaching and practice. Of coaching, right. Yeah. So they can help with like individual drills or whatever it is. But uh yeah, I mean to me like yeah, you want to- guys with all those tools, you know, like you want uh, you know, the Rogbo you know, out, out of A-Leaf Hastings. Like, those are the kind of guys, like, you just bet on guys that are that twitchy and that long with that frame, you know. It's like one of the reasons I, you know, I, I like the the kid out of, uh, you know, C.J. Nixon, you know, out of, out of Weatherford. Like, you watch him play football, and you're like, okay, you're a good football player. And then you watch him play basketball, and you're like, my God, son, when you just focus on football, you're going to be a great football player. Well, and there are moments, and well, he's hopefully he's visiting. We'll talk about him in a little bit. There are moments in his highlight. You have to go to his individual games because he doesn't have like a, a highlight package yet, where he's doing stuff, and you're like, "You're too big to be doing that. You're oh, too big, you. too long, too big, too long to pull that off." How I watched that? some of his. I watched some of his stuff was on social media that he posted of the early season basketball highlights. Man. Like it's impressive. He's six five, two twenty, probably two, you know, somewhere in that range. And he's bringing the ball down, like handling, driving on folks, finishes the hoop, alley oops. Like yeah. you're like, oh man, okay. So the last name is uh, Cade Piet- Pietrzak. 
Petrzak. Petrzak. Yeah. Petrzak. Petrzak from from West Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> uh, that's the only time you'll get me trying to do a New Minnesota accent, courtesy of the Fargo TV show uh, on this pod. So he's a defensive end. He also plays offensive tackle. And Caleb, he is absolutely abusing people on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I saw him. He there was at one of his O line clips. He was like. 20 yards downfield, the play was like clearly not really in his sphere of influence. And he was still running so he could make sure he wasn't blocking a guy in the back. And then he buried the guy completely. I was just like, he's like, you know, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, it was like a tiger approaching like a gazelle. He's like, you know, or a, or a deer. And he's like, no, that's not quite the right angle. I can't quite get my, I can't quite get the killer bite there. Let me, let me just keep going. Ah, there I go. It was just, and then a defensive end, he's knocking people around. He's playing every position on their front four, inside, outside, right, left. It doesn't really matter. Um, I, I Obviously, OU offered him, and we just grabbed a kid from Minnesota. Uh, can we grab a kid from North Dakota? I have no idea, but I'd love to see him visit to the – I mean, the only problem is – He's abusing kids, and you can tell the level of comp's not great. I, you know, like to me, it's like it goes back almost like that Danny Okoye thing. Like, I just want to see a guy dominate, and he dominates and he does, and he does, at an extremely right? so, like aggressive high level. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, like it's it's he he does that. So it's like, and I was like, ah, level of comp doesn't look great. I'm like, yeah, but he is just literally throwing these kids around like they don't even exist. So I love for him to come down and for OU to check him out. He looks. Huge. So they made a couple of the D-line offers, made some other D-line offers. So D-line's looking better than where I thought it was going to be. Um, and it looks like OU, I, I don't know where OU is with the Gus Cordova kid from Austin. This whole peanut thing, I think, has spooked, has spooked the OU gate. coaches. Peanut gate has spooked the OU coaches in terms of like, that's really some really bad decisions. If, if everything's true, and I don't know that it is, but... On the surface of it, it's some really bad decision making. So, uh, OU seems to be sort of, you know, I got, we've got more than enough guys. So we're going to move on. So I'll leave that to you, coaches. So, Caleb, as good as it was to hear 25 kids, OU's also making 26 D line offers. Oh, no. And the first one, the first one we need to talk about is I know 26 is like, you're like, ah, they've also made 27 offers. And I did not, I deliberately left all of them off the, the pod. I will not <laughs> ask you to talk about a 27 kid until next January, unless they, they verbal to you. All right. Um, but I promise no 27 kids on the podcast. Thank God. But they, they are making offers. So I, I don't know what's up with that. Cause Brent said he wouldn't. And he's like, no, we're going to make some offers. So, but 26, they offered Taj Overton from Owasso. He's six, three, two seventy five, two eighty. He looks really good, and the last two sophomore off defensive tackles OU offered in state were, and it's not like it's the world's easiest trivia question. It's David Stone and Gerald McCoy, so that's the rarefied air he's in. I don't know that he's that good, but his sophomore film is very, very good. So that's an interesting offer. Now, the first question everyone asks me when I talk about is, is he really the Marquis Overton? I don't know. Maybe he is Overton's. It's not a. It's not Bob Smith, but it's it's not. <laughs> old, but there's enough. It's but it's, I've also there's enough Overtons. 
around that that, that I don't think it's a natural. It's so obvious that that's that that's the connection there. But he looks really good on film. He looks to be that big. He's very athletic. A lot of power. A lot of interior tackles for loss, pressuring the pocket, um, just doing all kinds of good stuff. So that's a big win for OU if he continues, to, if he's really that good a prospect, because um, to have an in-state guy like that, it's like Danny Okoye, right, last year. You can't have kids like this in-state and miss on them, right? You just can't. If you're OU, you can't miss on Danny Okoye's and David Stone's. No. You, you can't. Yeah. You can't. Same thing with 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 uh, with Taj Overton, it looks like. Um, so that looks like a good D3 technique. And then they offered a California defensive tackle who I really like called Cameron Brickle. He's 6'3", 295, and he is an absolute load in the middle, Caleb. He looks like he could be the best sort of big nose guard in the class. He's athletic, but he's an absolute wall uh, uh, on the offensive line. And he's from a he's from an area that he's he's from and he's from California and, and OU's already been out to see him and and it looks I would say OU has a it'll be interesting to see if OU can take advantage of well, I, I I think UCLA and USC are going to have some real problems in the Big Ten so I, I think California might be it's funny I think you I know UCLA had a, I guess I think they finished with the same record I think UCLA was maybe had a one more loss in conference I think that. They're probably better positioned from a roster perspective how chips put it together to to handle the move. I know that uh, Lincoln's completely reshaped his coaching staff, but they have a hard time believing they've been able to really completely reshape the culture. And uh, you know, as OU fans, we always know like his kryptonite was essentially a Big Ten team. You know, that's going to play slow it down, line of scrimmage football, matchup with you with, with really big personnel and try to bully you. Yeah. He's from, he's from uh, Rancho Santa Margarita, California. Oh, okay. So, so the same high school as uh, Grant Calcaterra. Yeah. So OU's recruited that area, that part of the country before. And Grant, so I think, I think again, on the active, you know, on the active roster for the Eagles I mean, plays. Yeah. I, I saw him. He, he was, um, he didn't bake. Sorry, the the Bucks took out the Eagles, right? That's I know, right. right. Yeah, yeah. He and Baker post game out there, like a yeah. Both Bo- Baker post game because Bake Bake, you know, Bake threw him some passes in his freshman year. Yeah. So so they look really good. So twenty six looks like okay. All right, that D line class might be decent. So and then the next thing is OU. Now that Lebby's gone and OU's, I mean, Kevin Sperry verbaled early to OU. Yeah. Right? That was an that was an early off. That was an early verbal commitment. So OU's in the nice position that they could automatically jump to 26. And Lebby last fall was started 26 quarterback recruiting, like in earnest. So they got to jump on this. So, but then he left. So OU has gone back and offered something. The kids sometimes say re-offered. And I think as far as OU's concerned, like, well, you always had an offer. If you'd called us up and said you wanted to command, you know, we, we'd, have, we'd have taken that. But if Faison Brandon did, yeah, they'd have been like, yeah, come on. <laughs> well, if Jared, so if Jared Curtis the, from Tennessee, top five quarterback in the country, top 10 player, looks really good. And then they offered Faison Brandon, North Carolina. Um, he's, he's a bigger, he's a more of an athlete than Curtis. Curtis is like, Elite arm talent. He's Man, like, you yeah. know what? I will say, like, one of the first things I watched in uh, Brandon's tape, I thought the ball 
jumps out of his hand. There's a first. Oh, he's got a he's got a whip. He's got a whip. whip there's a the first good. one within like the first minute or so. There's one he's rolling out to his left, turns and just kind of flips it sidearm. I mean, a little bit sidearm. Maybe it's three quarter cocks it. And you you meet us and think, oh, man, it looks like like Jared. You know, uh, is it like the Love Kid from uh, the, from the Eagles? Not Eagles. Jordan Packers. Jordan, Jordan Love. Love. Yeah, from the you know. Uh, no, he looks ago. good. It's like I was like, wow, this kid's got. He's a little raw and like yes, some frame, of the past. Though, some of the past. Yeah. But and he's mobile. I mean, he's like, oh yeah, that gap there. I'm going to go 50 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. Curtis doesn't have that. Curtis no. is like, I'm all about the arm talent, guys. I'll I'll move the chains every once in a while, but I'm all about the arm talent. So um, he's just really, he's really really good. Um, you can see why everybody wants him. Um, so that's the two guys that they just offered. So the third guy. To keep an eye on is Will Griffin from Tampa Jesuit. He visited in the fall. Caleb, I sent you his film. He's a he thick. Looks, yeah, looks like a million bucks. Looks like a million bucks. Ohio State's after him. Texas just offered him. I don't know if OU, OU probably will re, re-offer him. But they're making some noise about um, about quarterback. Jared Curtis is really uh, – Levy made kind of a connection with him before he left. So he loved being re-offered. Um, I think OU will get him back on campus in early March, and maybe we'll see some things there. Because everyone's like, "Well, he's from Tennessee, he's from Nashville. Isn't he gonna? Isn't he gonna be a Vol?" And and Heupel just picked up a five star, big five star quarterback for twenty five, uh, in state kid. So maybe that kid doesn't want to follow him. We'll see what Kevin Sperry does with Elite Five. Because if Kevin Sperry gets like a blows up like. Jackson did, then maybe they'll scare some of these kids off by the time they make their decisions this summer or this fall. Um, but I could see phase on Brandon being like, well, I, you guys build, you know, you guys have a good quarterback system. I'm because OU's got connections in North that the cold again, North Carolina, again, they've got connections in that state. Um, Chavis, especially. We know Chavis is a good recruiter. We want him to become a great position coach. So let's see where that goes. But we know he's a very good recruiter, and he has a lot of contacts in North Carolina because that's where he's from. And Allie knows all of the North Carolina coaches because they all had to send him tape to get their kids evaluated for Clemson because that's what Allie did was Brent gave him wide wide authority to review tape and let him know who, who he should be recruiting. So... Um, that means Allie knows all of these high school kid, high school coaches in North Carolina because they were the ones sending him video, sending him links. Hey, can you get my guy on the Clemson list during Clemson's heyday? You know, the 16 to, to 19, the Clemson heyday. So that's interesting at quarterback. Um, but overall, Caleb, I've been a little surprised at the number of offers going out. We're not sure of the class total. Some people think it could be as low as 22, 23. There's already nine verbals. There's a lot of talent in Texas. But we're seeing OU making offers at linebacker, cornerback, safety, wide receiver in the Georgia, Florida, and North Carolina areas. Other than the fact Allie's, Allie's come in and just lit a fire in terms of, hey, we have enough of these kids. These kids need to have offers. Do you, do you like this strategy? What do you think's going on? First thought is like, I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Oklahoma's signed God. I mean, Brent has talked about it each, each, you know, 
every each spring presser, each fall opening presser, you know, kind of at not not say ad nauseum. It hasn't talked about it that much, but he's been very open about, oh, hey, we've got forty new kids coming in here. You know, we talk about well between all the guys we've got, we've got thirty two or whatever it was. You know, forty two new players or you know thirty. Yeah, you know, I think you know showing up at semester between you know walk ons and transfers and recruited guys. I mean, they've just absolutely cycled through the roster. I think when you look at it, there's what I want to say: Billy Bowman, Danny Stutzman, Ethan Downs. Are those the only three kids that that were here under Lincoln Riley? So you're right on defense: Stutz, Bowman, Downs. On offense, uh, is are we talking Jaleel Farouk? That's it. Oh yeah, Farouk. Yeah. Now that Drake's gone. There's nobody in the tight end room that had been around. I can't think of anybody in that offensive line room. I mean, now the running backs are gone. Marcus Major's gone. Yeah. Um, offensive line, we know all the offensive line are gone. Yeah, so I mean, um, they've cycled through it. So to see them. The tight ends, <laughs> tight ends are all gone. They're all gone. Yeah. We know all the quarterbacks are gone. So, yeah, it's we're down to four guys from the, class, guys. the class that should be the foundation of this team. <laughs> right? Yeah. The guys that should be seniors. Yeah, the, that should be the fourth the year rock. seniors. Fourth yeah. year, not fifth year, not sixth year. Fourth year guys should be the rock of this of this of this uh, roster. We have four players. Yeah. So, you and know, then the COVID class is down to nothing. I mean, nothing. the COVID the COVID class were the year before it. It's just Oklahoma's COVID classes. And I think Spencer Brown is using a sixth year. I'm not sure about Tarquin, yeah. right? There's some guys like that. That's the 20, the 21, the COVID class that we're talking about. Yeah. We're down to four, down to four guys. Cause you know, Nate Anderson and Aaron Parks both transferred out, you know, that you just, for the 20, from the 20 class, the 20, mm-hmm. 20 O line groups gone. Yeah. Yeah. None of the D line left. None of the, none of, no, we are down to four players. That ever played for Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley. team, so he's completely flipped the roster over. In two they years, do it, yeah, and they did two I mean, real th- cycles. Yeah, two real classes, right? Uh, I mean, it's which is impressive, but at the same time, I immediately that's why I come back and I'm like, I have no clue. All these offers, you know, part of me thinks, uh, I say part of me. If I had to give you a theory, it would be with the transfer portal being what it is today. You just Right, you like, plan on twenty five. Don't take anything for granted. Work yeah. your tail end off. Recruit all these guys and get them on campus. Use your official visits, all that stuff. Right, even if you know your class is going to be locked up, because I think most Oklahoma fans look at like C.J. Nixon and Haynes, right, and 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 Roberts, the tight end, those three additional in-state kids, and you say, okay, you, you know, want those guys to be locked up soon too, and put you at twelve, and now you've only got ten to go get or whatever it's going to be. Uh, you know, but use all the visits, get everybody on campus, build relationships, do everything you can, sign the best class you can. And then when they don't sign with Oklahoma and they go somewhere else, if they look to transfer out after a year or two years or four years, you've got, hey, remember we recruited you. We've had a relationship with you this entire time. You've been on our campus. You're comfortable with us. Come back. Well, so far that worked for Walter Rouse. If they get Garen Hatchett, Garen Hatchett, yeah. If they get they work for Wanya Morris, um, and at some point it's gonna start working for defensive players. Um once they, once we start getting into deeper, you know, some classes, some guys starting to move on from some classes, you know, with the Brent guys, right? Because we don't none of the defensive guys are left. 
from the old regime. So it's not like, you know, there's any real connections there. So well, but, just the ones that are your starters, right? Just just Downs and Stutzman yeah, and Bowman. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just I saying that like Woody I'm Washington just saying it's another. Yeah, sorry, Woody Washington, yeah. But he's yeah. but he would be would he's yeah, so that's at least twenty twenty, right? He yeah, his freshman year was twenty twenty because he 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 burned his red shirt to come in against uh Justin Jefferson in the sugar bowl. Yeah, that was great. Um uh, uh no, the best yeah. the, the best the great the best thing is like I sent I sent a video, I put it on the board too, right? Where you had Orlovsky and you had Nick Saban talking about just trashing all over any coach that would play nickel all the time. I mean, they're Nick Saban's just shitting all over. He's like, what are you doing? Get your shit stick. You know, he's just trashing them. And you got Orlovsky talking about, look, this is how the Lions, you know, beat this team. This is how they did it. This is what they're gonna do, and just explaining, you know. They're moving guys here. They're matching this up. They're picking on you. And then I, all I can think of the whole time I'm watching it is like all Alex Grinch would do is play nickel. And then just, you know, it's like, oh, no wonder every office coordinator was, they got against him. Like, oh my God, this is Christmas in July, Christmas in, uh, in August. Well, so I like what you're talking about. I think you, and I, and I like the fact that Zach Alley's like, Hey, we should offer these kids. Like, all right, all right, son, go, Go make some offers and go see what the OU, shoot, what the OU brand, let you know. Go see what the OU brand brings in, right? Yeah. Cast out the net and see what you bring back. Uh, especially at line, the linebacker kids. Some of the linebacker kids you offered are are Lewis Carter like violent. Like I I hate offensive people and they talk <laughs> they talk bad about my mom. They they stole you know they you know they stole they they stole from my family and I'm going to hurt them like you know like the. They just, they just, they're violent players. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. That guy does not like offensive people at all. So they look very Lewis Carter-like, which is which is a good thing. Um, I'm not sure we need four wide receivers in this class. I like the three we have. I like the guys we signed last year. I like yeah. the, we picked, you pick up Brennan Thompson and Dion Burks in the portal. And Thompson looks like he, you keep Thompson healthy. He and Jackson Arnold are gonna make some defenses look look stupid. Like who who was supposed to cover the really short, super fast guy? Like secondary guys like secondary guys like you had him, right? No, you had him. Well shit. Well shit. The other thing, and I I hope I do hope we see this from Seth, right? As I think where he's also got the ability to really help is making go you know, um Right. Let's let's hope. Right. All those the tight ends. Oh, yeah. A bigger target. Right. Like if you're able to get a guy like that up the seam, whether, you know, no matter what, if it's, you know, cover one or if they're in zero or if they're, you know, two, you can get a, a guy in the slot up the seam and, you know, get those guys to vacate. You've got those tight ends underneath to just doop, dink dunk. Uh, you know, it's like when you watch the I don't know if you watch the, the Lions and the uh, Bucks game, I mean. Gosh, on, well, on it was really game. all weekend, right? I mean, it's, you see yeah. this in all of football right now. The tight end has become this, you know. Again, it's like just everybody wants to play nickel and everybody's gone small and tight ends have gotten more athletic, you know. So it's like, all right, like let's go trot this, uh, you know, big 6'6", 250-pound guy that runs really well, you know. He'll he'll pick on you in the run game and he'll 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 eat in the in the, in the passing game. So that obviously we'd like – it's a great tight end – Group and region. Oh my we'd gosh! Like, really we'd love is. OU. We'd love OU to come out with. We know they got Trene Washington, although you and I both would love him to play defense. But that's right, Trene. But 
we really would. I mean, if you tell me, oh, you can kind of walk away with Nate Roberts and Desan Brom, we'd be like, with Davin Mitchell, that 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 will eat all flipping day in the SEC. Yeah. I mean, at that point, yeah, maybe you do tell Trene, like, you know, he's because he's, you know, again, he's not, he's not like the size of of Nate or Desan. Maybe you tell Trene, hey, we're kind of, we're going to keep you, at, we're going to keep you at receiver, and you're just going to be a big, you know, receiver. Big receiver. Josh, you know, Josh Norman's on campus. He could be yeah. he could be six three, two twenty five like Josh Norman. Right. And you see that more and more. And that and that ate all that ate all day when Seth yeah. was Seth was the fullback watching Josh Norman. Yeah. You know, for those Josh Norman was an early two thousand guy, huge in the huge in the national championship year. Yep. Um But man, you cause you 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 weren't kidding. Like you look at Braum or you know, and I to me I said it before we got on here, like it just reminds me of, of Mark Andrews. You know, like that's a Mark Andrews type talent at tight end. And I think Roberts, he's different, but he is, you know, he's an all around guy. You know, you see, like he fit it when he, when he was committed to Notre Dame, like my gosh, did that fit? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. okay. You know, it looks like a, a mayor type or, you know, just this, you know, all around going to whip you up, going to beat up on you in the run game. He's going to eat in the passing game. He's, you know, he's going to do everything really, really well and just be this chess piece that you're able to, you know, uh, helps you win. Yeah, so we we hope OU has room for that. And again, as, I, as we mentioned, some more D-line guys are showing up. So, and and to, to steal Caleb's line, you can never have enough big, tall, athletic defensive linemen, right? Yeah, no team ever said, we have too many big, athletic, long pass rushers. Like, how can we get rid of some of these guys? It just it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't exist, so... All right, so it's the big weekend coming up for recruiting. It's January 27th. We've been talking about it for like three weeks. OU looks like they're going to have a really good visit weekend. Uh, the weather in Norman, I think, is supposed to be much better than the last two weekends where like OU shut down because of freezing rain and cold conditions and stuff like that. So um, I think it's a much better day, much better weekend to have kids on campus and driving around too. Yeah, it's going to be yeah, it's going to be like 45, um, you know, 50 and sunny on Sunday. So, yeah, it's not going to be too bad for local region guys to, to drive in. So I'll, I'm not going to bury the lead here. So, Caleb, the first name coming in again is jo- is Jonah Williams, the all safety, all future cheetah. Say, I mean, he 6'3", 205 pounds, fly. He looks, he's, he looks elite, right? He is... He he he's bordering on that Sean Taylor kind of territory in terms of what a safety looks like and how they could dominate a game. I mean, that's I don't think he's quite that physical yet, but that's his frame and his agility. That, that there aren't many aren't many comps for him in in terms of that. So he's coming up to OU for maybe the fifth time. So he's a five star. I, I think by the time everything works out, he's a top ten player in the nation. Um He's coming up. Then they have Caleb Cunningham, a wide receiver from Mississippi, who's coming over. He just visited Jeff Lebby. Emmett Jones is is ridiculous at recruiting, so I won't say OU has no chance here, but I would imagine he's probably staying closer to home. Then we have Andrew Babalola, the big offensive tackle from uh, Overland Park, Kansas, which is the Kansas part of Kansas City. Uh, he's six six. He's six 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 five two eighty. He's um, I think he believe he's a he's a first or second generation 
uh, African American. His family's from Nigeria, uh, which is kind of a familiar story for OU recruiting in that in that area. But that's, um, you know, that's a, Michael Fasusi also is uh, is like first or second generation Nigerian. So uh, Babalola uh, is coming in, likes Bill, connections with Bill. That's a region of the country OU usually does well in. He's a borderline five star. Uh, I think Ty Haywood from Denton Ryan will also be on campus. He's 6'6", 6'5", 280, really athletic. Um, again, another top 50 kind of guy. Then I'm pretty sure Lamont Rogers will be coming up with some of his teammates. Lamont looks like he's about 6'8", 300. He looks huge. Man, if you're Oklahoma I, – you, you, all these – I just – you know, almost wish Oklahoma could get a guy like uh, like Haywood and be like, hey, can you re- really quickly, can you reclassify to the 24 class and just show up in the summer? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, you don't want to do this to offensive line guys, really, because, right, because you want them that you, you don't you want, want them to cook, bake a little longer. You, yeah, you want bake cooking, you know, as much as possible. But And then there's a chance I think Michael Fasusi shows up because he's canceled his Oregon trip. He said that on Twitter. And um, there's a convers- there seemed to be a conversation between him and Daniel and Kim Kimmy on Twitter where maybe Daniel was saying, "Hey, come on up." And Daniel, um, for those that don't know, is he's from Britain, but his grandparents uh, emigrated from Nigeria to England. So um, they all they oh, OU could in theory have three offensive linemen uh, in the next two classes that have uh, that are that have a Nigerian connection, which would be. Which would be kind of which would be interesting because obviously PJ Adeware, um is uh, is of Nigerian descent as well. So then you have Michael Turner coming in, and he Michael Turner Jr. It, it's it's believed that he is the uh, the son of Michael Turner, the running back that played for the Chargers and the Falcons. The burner, the burn Michael the Turner, the burner Turner who uh, was actually I think out of Northern Illinois. He was. He was a Northern Illinois guy. Oh, the little guy. Um, Didn't he play for the Chargers when Schottenheimer was the coach? Yeah, he was. Ba- he backed up um, Davian Tomlinson. Yeah, and then he got. And then he got. Oh, the Falcons signed him on a free agent contract. Ran the crap out of him for like four years. Um, he made money, but they some, some of those good Matt Ryan Falcons teams. Uh, he, he was on those teams, and he was he was really good. So then you got, and then I'm pretty sure C.J. Nixon, the aforementioned basketball dunking, pass rushing, defense edge defender, defensive end, outside linebacker from Weatherford, I think will be on campus. And that's that's sort of the highest profile names. We'll see some other names if they show up or not. Um, who could pull the trigger? I think if I think I'm not sure if Kobe Sellers is going to make it or not. If he does. That's something to watch. And if that happens, that's interesting because he's a cornerback and then OU has Tristan Haynes and Malik Hawkins at cornerback as well. Here's a question. And, and I don't know if you if you have any if you in, any inside intel or even just gut feeling on it. You think there's a chance that Nixon could get in? And I'm, I would assume maybe Sperry is going to come down and some of the Carl Albert guys. Well, right? all, the, all the verbals, all the verbals yeah. are going to be there. Yeah. You think there's any chance Nixon just goes like, you know what, like – Let's go ahead and get this done, and I'll just focus on basketball and football and just, you know, I don't have to worry about anything. Or do you think he wants to run this out and visit some places because of Oklahoma's, you know, uh, 
requirement around because he's interesting to me because of that because he is such a good basketball player. Yeah, right? he could be busy. He could be busy through through well, April, right? Not not just that. It's you know when you combine him playing basketball with Oklahoma's visit uh, policy, does he look at it where he's like, hey, I'm not going to get the chance to do all these junior days across the country. In yeah. the in the yeah. winter because I'm playing basketball, so I'm going to have to run this out longer. Uh, you know, or I, I might not. even or I might even play AAU basketball over the summer, which will definitely limit what he can do at certain places. So, well, maybe he just yeah. knows he wants to be a sooner. I, I hope. So I think he's got a world of upside. I think it's a possibility that yeah, he just sort of says, "Yeah, I'm done. Let's just let's just do this." Yeah, yeah. I think it's very. Weatherford has been good to OU in the past. It has. It's not a, yeah. not a school West where you're Sims, like Lance Donnelly. Obviously, yep. you've got Ethan Downs. Yeah. Yep. Um, so it's 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 not a place where you're like ooh yeah like you know like yeah that that's that's not been that's not been good to OU. So yeah, I think it's possible. But and if and again, he's he's a top 100 player by several services, up up top 50, top 75 athlete by one of them, and I think. When you watch his his film on football, they, he's doing stuff where you're like, "Man, if he that wingspan, that speed, that twitch, you know, you put side, you put, you know, put 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 weight in that frame, and he's he's he he could be something. He's one of those one of those guys that you're just sort of like, I don't know what he could be, but man, there's 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 a lot there. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, Nate Roberts is going to Miami, but it's kind of all around like this big seven-on-seven battle at the beach tournament tournament that's going on. Will he visit Miami while he's down there? Yeah, but it's really this big sort of tourney thing that sort of that's why he's not going to OU, and he probably committed to that weeks and months ago before OU said they're having a big junior day. And do we really – I don't think he's making a decision soon. I think Ohio State threw – like their Hail Mary blitz at him while he was in Columbus last weekend. And I think the Ohio State people thought that they would have locked this down. And they didn't. Because uh, I don't think he wants to make a decision. Nate Roberts wants to make a decision. He doesn't want to, doesn't want to, de- doesn't want to decommit again. Did right. that with Notre Dame. So, Sooner fans, all I'm telling you is, I don't think he's deciding until the summer. And I'll be shocked if he's not like at OU during the spring, watching his brother a lot and hanging out with the other OU verbals a lot who are coming down from Carl Albert and the local kids. And he's, and, and Joe John has made him a priority. Um, Latrell knows his family. So I just let this play out. I know everybody, it's like last year, everybody got freaked out when David Stone was going to Michigan State. <laughs> right man that, that, that took a turn <laughs> so it did yeah in many ways um uh not that you'd wish uh um the the fall of mel tucker on any yeah on any, no. any, any that that's uh uh that, that's a whole mess um but you know he's got a michigan state right and then he's in norman guys <laughs> david david has been from the moment he got he verbaled he has been locked into ou I mean, I, I I didn't I mentioned this on my X space I do on Mondays uh with Barry Wise. I said that if if David had just decided to like go back on the market, 
like, you know, I'm not enrolling early at OU. I'm going to enroll, you know, this summer. And have put himself back on the market. Caleb, the the NIL feeding frenzy for him would have been just stupid. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, don't give anybody any ideas. Like that's it's almost not a, you know, for these kids to, to sign with a place. Matt, edit that out of this podcast. Don't, yeah. let, don't, don't let people hear this idea. But I'm just saying if he had popped back up on the pop back up, you know, like, well, I'm not, I decided not to go to OU. I'm asking out of my letter of intent, and I'm going to sign in February. And I'm going to visit more new more schools in January. Uh, here's you know here's 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 the going rate for a visit, and uh, and uh, let me know you know call my call my banker with your with your with your Swiss bank account numbers. You know, I mean, it'd be ridiculous, right? I mean, it'd be stupid. Oh my gosh, yeah, the the ability for those kids to, I mean, it's weird. There's something about like whatever you're. Whatever you're selling, whatever business you're doing, FOMO gets in. And you know, for a five star to commit, lock into a place, you know, those schools scramble, they missed, and then to go back on the market, he'd got someone like Miami would probably would have tripled whatever they were offering them prior, you know. Yeah. Three beach houses. Three beach I mean, houses. Yeah, Miami and Oregon would have gotten to a bidding war. You know, you know, it would have been stupid. Now, David, he's enrolled, he's on campus. So no one freak out. But I'm just saying you know that that the o, the OU don't don't overlook the OU recruiting class. Some of the some of the rankings have come back out. I'm not happy with. Maybe happy is the wrong word, but I'm under impressed with some of the ranking decisions made by some of the services. I, I don't understand how you can't rank Eddie Pierre Louis when you're ranking his wide receiver teammate. In the top fifty, so you yeah. obviously you're watching Tampa Catholic footage, and you you're watching Eddie Pierre Louis, who just got ranked, just got named uh, district and county offensive lineman of the year uh, by all the local media who apparently do watch film and do see how he plays. So you know, and it's like Mitchell fell seventy spots again. It's like the Mitchell one is the Mitchell one is. I mean, that one and, and then Danny Okoye being ranked, I think, 162 on one of them, maybe lower on another. But the Mitchell one, because Mitchell, – Mitchell and Okoye, like, what What are we not seeing that you can't see just looking at them? I mean, how could you not see – I mean, I, and I don't and I, and I don't want to make this analogy. I don't, I don't push it too far, everybody, but they are thoroughbreds, right? How could you not see – that they are thoroughbreds. Right? Well, here's the here's the weird thing to me about it. Right, is I go back to I can look at another guy, Lebius Overton, that reclassified. Right, right, because it's a good example. But I think I, you may have. To, I may have. I'm, we may need to look this up. Uh, Devon Mitchell, I think, off the top of my head, is the only five star to reclassify, jump forward, and then massively tumble in the rankings. Right to go from five star. O- Overton didn't. Armando Blunt didn't, and Ryan Williams didn't. And here's the crazy thing about Overton. Like this is why I bring him up. When he went to the Under Armour camp, I don't think he even announced he that he had was was going to. Uh, he hadn't announced yet that he was going to reclassify. Right, but that summer he went to the Under Armour camp, and everything coming out of that was a little bit disappointing. Right, he wasn't as twitchy as we thought. He just didn't dominate the way we expected. He struggled a little bit with this uptick in competition, but that's okay because he's got another year. 
Well, then he reclassifies and he, st- he jumps in and stays like as a top 10 player, right? And, and that's what I mean. Like, it's just weird that whatever reason, and I've said this like ad nauseum, you know, Davon Mitchell, I don't care. I don't even want to get into an argument and discussion of what you have him ranked at and what you see him as and, and what he projects as. If you say he is a future first round draft pick, right? Because apparently that is how they do the five stars these days. Oh, he's a future first round draft pick, right? It used to be game changer. Remember Josh talking about years ago, oh, this is a program changing, defining, you know, type of, you know, generational talent. And then they realized, well, you know, you can't really call it that because we don't know what the hell we're talking about. We're bullshit artists. So let's just call it you know, 30, <laughs> 32 players. I mean, they are. I mean, it's majority of them are just absolutely trash because there's no consistency in it because they don't know what they're looking at, right? They're not putting together a scouting report on these kids and like ingrating anything, right? It's a lick their finger and stick it in the air. And you see that with Devon. It were, you know, it's just, okay, one day he's a five star. He's a future first round draft pick. Well, he reclassifies. Now he's, uh, now he's not. It's like, okay, well, Wait a second, but like, just because he reclassified, he could. That means he could go anywhere from in three to five years because he could redshirt, play four years of college, right? So yeah, there's a there's a three to five year you know space out in the future where he could go to in the NFL draft. Like, how did that suddenly change where now he's not a potential first round draft pick? You know, because here's the other thing, right? Again, stick to the the inconsistencies, particularly with Lebius Overton. Where Overton went to that Under Armour camp and didn't look twitchy, didn't look physically dominant, you know, wasn't. If you're not going to be physically, tw- you're not going to be twitched up, you know, flying by people, but you're a big 6'5", 270-pound guy, you better be bullying guys, right? You better have, you know, some power to you and, and, and be able to work from that. He didn't have that either, right? And I think you've seen it through his college career we joked we hit the portal it was like i mean like three tackles or something like that in, in two years at texas a&m despite actually playing a bunch well devon goes to the under armor game full padded up and you've got like a, a almost five star db going to texas and devon they got the tape you can watch it treating him like my uncle used to treat me at Thanksgiving in the front yard football game when I was eight. You know what I mean? Just absolutely picking him up and bodying him. Uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, again, I think there's some laziness to it all. Uh, but there's It's just- weird though because he had fantastic – I mean, we watched his highlights from Los Alamitos, right? They were great. And it's, it's good high school fo- – good California high school football. He's he's making big plays, he's blocking, he's making big big catches, run after catch. It's just he's doing everything, and you're like, and then they dropped him, and then and to your point, we we saw him next to Dan, we saw him next to David Stone and the guys at the Under Armour game. He looked like a physical beast. It's like oh my gosh, okay, yeah. he looks, it's like yeah. it's like okay, what 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 are we missing? So yeah. and and Ryan Williams, the wide receiver. Like they kept him a top five player, which I think is ridiculous. Yeah. But whatever. He's a, I'm sure he's extremely talented. He's a really good player. But he's not Jeremiah Smith talented. No. He's not as I good mean, as Jeremiah Smith. Um, it's just it's uh, and it, but, but but Blunt's the one that really kills me because he moved up and I'm like, he's not, he, he was like a top five guy in twenty five, but the twenty four D line guys comparison, he's not a five star. He's not. 
Well, I mean, the one that really gets me is this the Danny piece, you know, and I, I, yeah, I've talked yeah. about Danny a ton, you know, I've, I've been really open that I think he's the, the best edge uh, defender the state of Oklahoma has produced since, I guess, probably Dan Cody, right? I think Brian Pickerel was a five-star out of Jinx, but Brian Pickerel was not, you know, uh, Danny's superior and, you know, Brian was 6'6". Six, six. The meltdown when he chose Texas, oh, my God. That's, I'm glad I didn't run a, run a website during – a message board during those days. That was oh before God. my time. Oh, God, it was terrible. It was terrible. Because <laughs> he, he picked them, like, right in the middle of, like, you know, early in the year. And everyone's yeah. like, I know you needed edge rushers. And it's like, I'm going to Texas. Like, what? It was like how you know it was it was, it was a complete meltdown. But how does right. a kid I mean, from Jinx, Oklahoma, go there? But yeah, but yeah, I mean, you look at Danny, and I I, I put this, I joke with someone on the board. I think it was uh, was Sim or someone. Then I you know, but I said, you know, every now and again, there's some head scratchers to me, and you know, uh, Isaiah Simmons was one. I can remember, I, right, I mean, right, right. I was yeah. sitting there like, <laughs> like, can somebody? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills because <laughs> I, I, I know, like, okay, here are the traits you've got to have that, like, you know, from a length, size, speed, explosion, quickness, twitch, all these things that these have to scale. Like, do you have these? You know, like, you have to be a dominant high school football player. You know, but if you're not this type of athlete, you then wonder, okay, when he gets up next to the next level and the guys are bigger, longer, stronger, more explosive, what happens? Well, with Danny, like that's that's not the case. Like in most rooms, he's <laughs> the biggest, strongest. You know, even at that that all, all American game in Frisco, I mean, he he made the guys look like they were homeschool players. They were they were good. They were there was some good talent on the low line. Like well let's put it this way. You, you say they're good talent on the offensive line. It was all future power five football yes. players. Yes. Yes. Like it was. maybe they maybe they were not it was not Jordan Seaton at every offensive tackle spot, right? But it was That's all why I future, loved, loved like, him. Loved to have seen him in Orlando. I think it would have been similar. I think, it I think he would have dominated. He's, he would have dominated. They'd be like, "Whoa, what have we missed here?" He's a mature kid, and he he knows how to rush the passer. From what I've seen in that in that in that All Star game, you know, you saw him like he understood. Okay, like I can get the edge on anybody. Well, once they know, once they know, I can get the edge on them. They all start oversetting, and he starts working inside. You know, and he's got to. He's, he's so he's he's really he's powerful. Right. And so he's got the ability to uh, turn just naturally speed to power, work a bit of a bull rush or at least an inside move. Like, you know, to me, again, I talk about him. I'm like, I need anybody and everybody that is ever done any of this recruiting stuff to sit down with me to watch Colin Simmons's film and particularly pull up his film against uh, is it, is it with the Frisco school with uh, the kid that's going to tech. Right. It was junior year, the, the uh, uh, Ellis Davis, right? It's a it's the first time I, I some of the some of his best films. He's, he's from Pro, he's Simmons. from Pros, he's from Prosper. Prosper, yeah. And some of his better film was against Colin Simmons because he's really athletic, and, and Simmons can't, could not beat him with finesse and speed. And when he couldn't do that, anyway, where, I, where I'm going with that is like I need someone to sit down and say, okay, here's why Colin Simmons is a top 15 player, and this is why. Uh, you know, Danny Okoye is the 164th ranked player. This is why there's this massive gulf between these two. Like, Danny is nowhere, nowhere as good as Colin Simmons in any area. And this is why, Caleb. Like, and I'll, I, I would, I would studiously listen and take notes 
and and maybe I could learn something. But I say all that knowing there is not a soul out there that could sit down there and do that because I'm not I'm not blind or crazy. Well, I'm not crazy. Bl- you're, you're not blind. However, I would like we're gonna we're gonna wrap up uh, wrap up this next week. We'll talk all about the visit weekend. By the way, Derek, uh, sorry, Tori Blaylock is visiting as well. So we've got the Chris Turner, sorry, Michael Turner uh, versus Tori Blaylock doubleheader, which is all in my article today on five recruiting thoughts. If you're on my website, on our website at sunni360.com, you can see my thoughts all about that because it's a really interesting matchup because I think OU's only taking one running back. But I would like to have a special shout out to Danny Okoye's mom, who, hey. who moved off Danny. Uh, I don't want you going to OU. And special shout out to Danny Okoye. I interviewed him. Danny, great kid. Told my wife, I don't care where he goes. That kid has it all to get put together. I want to thank both of you for choosing OU, because I can honestly say, if you had chosen another school, I think I might, hatch, might have had to actually take Caleb out. Because the number of rants about Danny not being a Sooner would have been, I think, unlistenable. Uh, would have been unlistenable for everybody on this pod. It would have been somehow we've been talking about anything, and all of a sudden Caleb would just break out into a Danny Okoye didn't sign with OU fit, and he'd go on a 15-minute rant, and I'd be like, Hey, that's well, not fair. That's not fair because – for the longest time, I think months, we didn't think there was even had a chance. I know, I know, happen. I know. So we but just after, moved on. Yeah, but after, but but there's no way, Caleb. There's no way seeing how he looked and seeing how good he is that you would have been able to get off that topic oh, in December not. if he was signing with like Tennessee. I mean, that would oh my just, god, that'd have bugged the living crap out of you, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, to have to play the guy, you know, to then turn around and have to like watch Oklahoma play, like that would have been just like. You you know you know you lost your mind on that, and, yeah. and then I mean we'd be we we'd be playing Tennessee. We're not even talking about a post game show. We're, two years from now, we'd be doing a recruiting pod, and then you'd break into a fifteen minute tirade over why oh you didn't sign Danny Okoye. I'm, I'm telling you, uh, this is this is the things I'm fortunate that the show and our listeners of this show won't have to deal with. And uh, Danny Okoye is a Sooner who at six four. 240 is a some some is running somewhere in the four five five four five sixes range. I'd love to know what his vertical is, but I, I, I'm going to guess it's north of 35. And, and I, somebody said that that somebody said that they didn't really think he really knew what he was doing, what he was running either. Like, yeah, we did. He, he ran that, and that really wasn't. He really didn't know what he was doing running the 40. Like he ran it, posted that, and they were like, "Yeah, you're all good," but you know, we 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 could have. That there's there's more to go. There's more to go, guys. Yeah, yeah. You know? Once once the strengths and staff gets with them and just works on some mechanics, it, yeah. Yeah, there's still like four or five. More to go. Hey, hey, is that, is that good? Can I can I move on to the next thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're good. And they're like looking at each other like that sucked. That was terrible. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> it's like you know, it's like you know, yeah. That's terrible. But you know what? We'll we'll move on. We'll move on to some other things. So um, that's what's a lot. Like I said, lots of buzz about what's going on with the the freshman who just enrolled. Um, you know, just looks like looks like a good looks like the class we think it is. So um so that's twenty four put to bed. We're we'll see what we may have a hatchet brothers update for you guys next week. We'll we'll work on uh 
We'll work on trying to get a logo ready for that if it does happen. <laughs> what the death count's going to be? What, what the death count is going to be? If if if, if, he, if if Garen gets on the field and is like pancaking people, we're going to have to track that as the the Hatchet Brothers death count. That's a good um, call. So uh, so thanks everyone for listening. Uh, please follow us at Sooners360.com, the website. Caleb and I posting lots of content about recruiting, lots of opinions about what's going on with kids. I just posted my five thoughts for the week. Lots of information about D-line and running backs and wide receivers. Uh, there are other positions than O-line. We can talk about them. Just a, a note. Uh, please make sure you're following me on Twitter. I'm trying to post out uh, more posts every day about what's going on with recruiting. That's CM underscore uh, Sooners360.com. Trying to post some more information there on a daily basis so that you guys are aware of what's going on with recruiting. Uh, but that's it for this episode. We appreciate everyone listening and downloading. Uh, Please uh, subscribe on your platform of choice. And we will be back next week with hopefully lots of information about a good weekend that OU had uh, in terms of a junior day. I don't know that really Brent's not pushing for verbals in the way like Mac Brown was pushing for like Mac Brown needed to get 20 oh, back verbals. Back in the day, yeah. Back in the day, he needed to get 20 verbals on junior day and basically tried like, to lock the entire state of Texas up. It's just down. In a one weekend, you know, OU fans are basically like just sitting there like on pins and needles waiting for the Mac weekend to be over. Like, okay, now here's who we can recruit. Like, it would be, it was nice because it was like 20 guys are always going to Texas no matter what OU did. So we just like ignored them, but it was a little, a little different. But I don't think OU's, you know, pushing for some, some, some verbals, but, you know, OU's got nine in the house. There's some kids that really like the Sooners. Man, you'd love to see, honestly, you'd, like I said, I, I, perfect world maybe as you come away with one of those tackles. You know, uh, you do wonder with the amount of tackles that are in the region that are really fantastic players. If one of them doesn't get on campus, like, you know, I'm saying it's Babaloa or, you know, uh, Haywood uh, or Harwood, whatever it is. Uh, it's it's know, Haywood. 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 Ty Haywood. And one of them say, like, gosh, you know, I'm – probably going to go here i don't want to run the risk of like running this out until the summer and two or three other guys commit and i'm sitting there with nowhere to go or not nowhere to go have anywhere to go but not be able to go here well it's the you know they basically they come again haywood and rogers have come up recently like rogers is the guy who visited for the tcu game right yeah drove up early ass in the morning black friday to watch oh, ou wow blowout TCU, right? So yeah. that was eleven. That was a an eleven a.m. kickoff Black Friday after Thanksgiving. He and drove Haywood up. is a Denton kid, which is amazing. That for I don't know, I don't know how long Oklahoma could not recruit Denton. They always went. I mean, Jarvis Moss went to Florida, five star defensive end, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. The other one, uh, you know, Edwards, went to Florida State, right? And then suddenly. In two classes, Brent's got back. They've signed two five stars out of Denton. Uh, I was like Hicks with four, three or four star running back. You know, yep. they, and they've got both Denton Ryan and Denton Geyer. Uh, they signed on the roster. Little, little bone on the roster. this year, yeah, a little bone the this year from from Geyer. So it's it's crazy to see that they've finally flipped that and turning. Which should be, I mean, you'd think that'd be some of a pipeline. Kids from Denton just going up thirty five to OU. So we'll see what happens there, but we'll talk about it next week. Thanks, everyone. Hopefully you guys appreciated some some details about talking about new names, new kids. We're flipping the page to 2025. I know you made that a whole lot more difficult this week. So that's why we kind of threw some names at you from some different places because 
literally, they, I said, OU made like 39 offers in the last 10 days, which is just stupid um, for a team that with nine verbals already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, you know, okay. It's not like OU's like, who are we going to sign? Get offers out there. We got like nine kids. We got like four or five more kids we lead on. It's like, you know, uh, we may be assigned and people think we're going to sign 22 kids. Math doesn't add up. So we'll just yeah. see what happens. Thanks, Caleb, for joining us. And good night, everyone. And hopefully you're having a great week. Bye-bye. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.